Hello, everyone. Welcome back to American Billiard Radio. Today is Thursday, April 25th, but I suspect that this episode won't actually get online until Friday, April 26th. I got a surprise for everybody, though, this week. There's actually two interviews. I know. What's this world coming to? I had a chance to sit down earlier this week and talk to Nate Mindham. Nate is the creator of the Cue It Up podcast. Got started... A couple months ago, he's had some... We talk in the interview about how many shows he's got out. I think he's up to to 10 episodes now. Had a real good interview with John Schmidt a couple weeks ago. So I had a chance to talk to Nate about Pool in Wisconsin and some of the plans that he has for his podcast. I also had a chance to talk to Jeff and Ileana Sullivan. They are the team behind Sully Vision. They have a huge, not action match, but they have a huge challenge match coming up next week between Junlin Chang and Shane Van Boning. Had a chance to talk to them about what got them started in streaming and this big challenge match and and how it it turns out that there's actually going to be eight challenge matches that come together to, to fill a field after Derby, but I'll let them explain that instead of me. As I record this, the U.S. Open is getting down to four players. And that's kind of, I had a thought regarding the U.S. Open that I wanted to put out there, but I'm not really sure where it's going. Um, Not where the tournament's going. I'm I'm sure where the tournament's going. I'm not really sure where this thought is going. And and here's the thing. You know, I'd, I'd love to jump up on my soapbox and talk about pool and problems in it and, and that sort of thing. This is something that I don't know what the solution is. The first three days of the U.S. Open were streamed for free on Facebook. While there was some controversy over added money and and stuff like that, basically I think everyone is in agreement that if a company can take professional pool and run with it, it's matchroom sport. They've they've made the Moscone Cup into must-see TV. They've been running... World Cup of Pool, World Pool Masters. As far as that goes, they ran world championships in the past. So here's the thing. First three days, free stream. Last three days, final 16 players, big matches, marquee names. It's streamed on Dazn, D-A-Z-N.com. I'm not an expert on Dazn, but it looks to be... Basically, uh, they stream some boxing matches. They're doing some stuff with Major League Baseball. This is the same company that was going to stream the World Pool Masters, and I'm not sure what happened there. But here's the thing. We all know that online pay-per-view is not really a huge money-making endeavor. Uh, Most pool fans will not support something like that, no matter how big the names are and how big the tournament is. I guess where I'm trying to go here is for the last day and a half, I log on to Facebook and one of my friends has shared the pirated version of the stream. And and it, it could be anybody. And And this happens whenever there's Something on Sky Sports, you know, there are there are people who certainly are not pool-related who will pirate that video stream and put it online. And okay, I get that. You know, that's going to happen with any sport. But 
there were thousands of people watching this pirated stream. They knew it was pirated. And we're not talking about, you know, thousands of, of ball bangers. I, I'm talking major marquee names I was seeing popping up on the right-hand side that, you know, so-and-so has started watching this video. These are people who you would think would want to support Matchroom Sports and what they're doing. It was $20 to join Dazen for a month. You join for a month, you cancel the subscription, but there were thousands of people, including major players, and I'm not just, not just pool players, but major business players in the billiards world who were watching this pirated stream instead of supporting the event. At one time, I had to chuckle to myself, someone actually suggested, hey, we should throw a, throw a bone to this person who was pirating the stream. No, they shouldn't have. It was, it was $20. And, and, and somebody responded, well, yeah, you know, I, I paid my share because I, I pay for that sort of thing. You, and, and honestly, we, were watching a pirated stream. No, we shouldn't have thrown him a bone. We should have thrown $20 to Dazen. And look, I'm just as guilty as the next guy. I was watching it. I knew full well I was watching a pirated stream. So here's the thing. Is pay-per-view, is it honestly a solution? I mean, what what can companies do? If, if we, and again, I'm blaming myself here. If we cannot throw $20 to a company outside of billiards that is venturing into pool then how much are we how much do we really want to see the game grow i mean sure it's it's easy to say well you know uh, mike you do a lot for pool so you shouldn't have no i should have and 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 we all should have i don't I don't know what the answer is. You know, usually I, I can just jump on my soapbox and I can complain a little while. But this is something that I, I really want to think about a little bit more. I, I don't know. I don't know what the what the barrier is. Why we would be willing to cheat a company that is trying to, in an indirect way, promote the U.S. Open to be the savior of professional pool in the United States. I don't think it's that we're cheap. Maybe it's just ease of access. You know, maybe you jump on Facebook and you see the stream there. I mean, that was it for me. I, I logged on. It was right there. Sure, I'm going to watch it. That's never going to go away, though. So I don't know what the solution is. Nevertheless, uh, as I said, I've got two different interviews for you this week. Uh, first up, we have Nate Mindham with the Cue It Up podcast. Here you go. I give you Nate. And I'm very proud to be joined now by Nate Mindham. Nate is the creator of the Cue It Up podcast. How are you doing today, Nate? I am doing great. How are you doing, Mike? Good, good. Having a good time watching the, all the pool that Matchroom's putting out there on Facebook. Yeah, Matchroom is doing a phenomenal thing for pool by uh, buying up all of these big events and then streaming them free of charge. It's really helping to uh, promote the game, I think. And 
at least personally, I think I've mentioned on the show that it seemed to me that Matchroom was trying to duplicate the feel of Moscone Cup for a singles event at the U.S. Open. But what I'd never even crossed my mind is all the experience they have with snooker and running larger events like this. From what I've seen, I mean, they're doing an outstanding job. It's it's very professionally done with with multiple tables and and there's no dead time you know when they're racking they or when someone's on a break they can switch to another match i mean they this isn't in my mind it's not really a a moscone cup duplication anymore it's it it reminds me more of snooker i think that they're really onto something with their moscone cup they have done just an insane job of promoting that and i know in wisconsin where i'm out of um, when they had the Moscone Cup, I was actually in London last year for it. And I had probably 80 to 100 of my friends reach out to me on Facebook saying, oh, hey, I was watching the stream and I saw you in the stands. And I think 10 years ago, I don't think that there would have been 80 players in all of Wisconsin watching the stream, <laughs> nonetheless, that are on my friends list. So since Matchroom has taken it over, they've really promoted it in a way that's fun to watch. It's fast paced. It's exciting. Uh, the 32nd shot clock is a huge improvement to the game. I think, um, it really keeps everything moving along quickly. Absolutely. So how did the, how did the trip come together last year for Moscone cup? Uh, so actually Tyler Steyer is a, is a good buddy of mine. And, um, I reached out to him when he was, when he made the final cut for the Moscone finalists. And he was in the field, uh, or the, the remaining field of players with Oscar Dominguez was in there. I'm pretty sure Dennis Hatch was there. And uh, I'm blanking on the last person. but Mitch? Um, oh, yeah, Mitch. Mitch Ellerman was, uh, I think, the last one. And uh, only one of them was going to make it. Uh, and then Corey Duell in there as well, obviously. Um, and then, oh, sorry, only two of them were going to make it. So Corey Duell and Tyler Steyer were... Um, not in that order chosen because Tyler was chosen as the fourth representative and then Corey on the final day. But once I saw that he got selected for it, I, you know, I kind of made a little bit of a bluff saying like, I'd go if you get selected. And then he got selected and I guess my bluff was called and a couple of plane tickets to London later, I was there and it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. It was, if you've never had the opportunity to go to a Moscone cup, you're missing out and you got to get there. It is just an absolute blast. Well, I'm jealous because I've been to Moscone Cup a number of times. I've never been to London, though. Um, you mentioned that, that Tyler is good friends. Did it? I mean, of course, you, you have to be politically correct here. Um, but you knowing Tyler's game, is that his normal game? I mean, when we saw him out there in London, he was cool, calm, and collected. And, and he seemed like probably the calmest member of Team USA. Ooh, I hope Tyler doesn't end up uh, listening to this part of it. But uh, <laughs> So I will say this. Um, Tyler Steyer, um, what he gives up in talent, um, as far as his competitors that were also up for um, nominations for the Team USA, he has more heart than probably all of them combined. Um, I've had several conversations with him where – he thinks that he is the best player on the table and he doesn't say it and try to talk himself into it. He says it, believing it. And when you go about 
treating every rack that way and every tournament that way, I think he has a huge notch up on his competitors, especially in that type of format where he can go into a Moscone Cup in a 2,500-seat um, arena that is the Alexandria Palace, and he can go into that with no fear at all. And I'm not trying to sell out any of the U.S. competitors in the past, but you could definitely tell that the atmosphere gets to some of the players. It's, it's a really, really rowdy, intimidating atmosphere that is I can't even imagine playing in it. We actually, going slightly off script for a second, we actually set up a, a fans Moscone Cup with um, a couple of the European guys, and we basically just all showed up at a pool hall in London, and we decided to do the Team U.S. for whoever wanted to play versus Team Europe, whoever wanted to play, and we just set it up in a in a Moscone Cup style where we just randomly drew um, matches and then added all the points up, Moscone Cup style, and we lost, I think, by four points by the end of it. Um, but it was an absolute blast. And even that, knowing that you're representing your country and nobody even knows about it is it was a really interesting atmosphere that I got especially nervous for. Um, so I can't even imagine what it's like to play on that stage. Um, and I think that going back to my original point, it's, it's, um, it would be tough. And I think it shows with some of the U S players that have been out there in the last say nine years. Um, but going back again, originally, um, Tyler didn't fear any of that. Tyler has something in him that he rises to the moment. Like very few I've ever actually met, um, can. So while he lacks, um, some of the talent of, especially the, the younger players from, uh, Europe and Alexander Kazakis and Eklan Kachi, um, he has a heart that not a single other player on either team has, in my opinion. So that allows him to play at that level um, well above maybe where his game was at the time of that event. Well, he definitely showed it. I, uh, at the time, I wasn't positive that I agreed with the call for him to be the fifth member. And of course, with Mitch being from Arizona, I kind of you know, had my own personal preference, but without him on that team, I don't think they win last year. Oh, I absolutely agree because, um, we went out and lost the first two points and the third matchup was Tyler Steyer versus, um, Niels Fine. And, uh, actually Niels and Tyler had just played, I want to say about five weeks prior in the very first round of one of the an, an event in the U.S. and I'm blanking on what the event was now. Maybe you'll remember. Was it the international? It was because the, yeah, because Tyler won that match at the international, and I felt that was the match that yeah got him got him on the team. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think he won seven to one over Neil's fine, which is so it's almost like destiny that they'd play for the first. <laughs> Um, match in the Moscone and he won it and he won it I think five to one to get uh, the U.S. its first point and I think if the U.S. goes down there um, three to zero I think it's the start of a really really big snowball that's going to crash pretty hard just like the last eight years 
And, you know, he, he went out there, he showed some grit, he battled out, and then the, the Team USA won the next two points after that to take a 3-2 lead into day two, which was, I mean, huge. 3-0 to 3-2 to by the end of that. Yeah, that's, that's pretty big. I don't want to spend too much time talking about Moscone Cup. I want to talk about the show that you do. You, uh, the Cue It Up podcast. You've done what five, six episodes now. Um, I'm actually going to be so. For full disclosure, we are recording this on a Monday, um, and I drop a new episode every Monday and Thursday. So I think the one I'm dropping tonight is actually going to be my ninth episode. Oh wow! What what gave you the idea to to start up a podcast? So I'm a, I'm a huge sports fan and I follow a lot of different types of sports, um, almost to a cult like, um, following, um, football, basketball, uh, baseball, golf. And I realized, I kind of had this self-realization one day that it's really, really, really hard to follow pool. Uh, there is your website, AZ billiards. Um, and that, that need of, I mean, that collective everything up into a pretty neat type of following. Um, but there's no really, really easy way of following outside of your website. Um, and if you want to know the, like the score of a baseball game, you go on ESPN right away and you go to the app and you know it within 10 seconds. Um, and you can do that with your website. Um, it's just that there's no, there's, there's not a lot of, uh, diversity and there, there's, there's not a lot of medium. And if you don't know about AZ Billiards, let's say you're from China and you actually probably do know about it even if you are from there, but there, there just is not a lot of media following around pool. And the more the merrier in a sense that if we're ever going to grow the sport, we have to have as many mediums following it. So there is plenty of diversity. There's plenty of different opinions. There's plenty of um, different venues to get the product that you're trying to get. And I kind of decided after um, graduating college and trying to get back into playing pool again, after taking basically all of my college off, that I just didn't have the love for the game playing it that I did when I was younger. And I was frustrated by not being able to play as well as I used to, or really even having the drive to play competitively like I used to. So I still have a, a huge passion for the game and I still love the game and I want to help the game grow. And I decided that trying to be a medium between the players and um, the fans of the game would be a better option for me personally to help the game grow in a way that I want it to grow. And when you talk about playing before college, this wasn't just getting together with your buddies and banging balls around. You're a, you're a pretty accomplished player. Yeah, I I mean I I would have considered myself on the track to being a uh, a lower quality professional player when I was 17 or 18. Um I have a couple of uh, uh what do you have? I have four top four finishes. I've, yeah, four top four places at VNEA juniors um internationals, one of which was second place. Um, I took second, third, and fourth twice. Um, I have um, several Wisconsin state titles um, in teams and singles between the two of them. Um, I've taken 
second in a team event at VNEA Internationals in Vegas. Uh, I'm a state Wisconsin master, um, 650 Fargo-ish, but um, I just didn't really – I chose college over pool, basically. Um, I saw the financial outlook of pool, and I saw the financial outlook of getting a college degree, and I decided that for my long-term security financially, college was a better option. And so I went to college, basically stopped playing for four or five years and said I would pick it up when I was done. And I just never really got around to doing that. And how long had you played prior to college? Uh, I had started playing the game when I was about four to five years old. Um, I played, my family played, so I would use that as bonding time with my mom or my dad when I was young. And... I didn't start really taking the game seriously until I was like 13 to 15 in there. Um, and that's when I really started to take off with my game to become a better player. I listened to, uh, full disclosure, I haven't listened to every episode, but I've listened to probably two-thirds of the episodes that I found out there on your website. You mentioned in one of the episodes that you listen to how many podcasts a week? <laughs> So uh, I'm, I work from home, um, and I obviously have my 40-hour-a-week job. And so I listen to podcasts basically all day long for eight hours. Um, I haven't found enough podcasts that I like to be able to fill up all of that eight hours every day, but about six and a half hours of that is spent listening to podcasts. So if I were to count them up, I would guess it's right around 20 different types of podcasts. Some of those podcasts record every single day, seven days a week. Some of them record uh, once or twice a week. Some of them record once a month like yours, you know, <laughs> average. <laughs> All right. Which I, will, which I will say, as you get a lot, we'd, we'd love to have more episodes from you. You have a great podcast. I appreciate it. It's, it's, it's a struggle sometimes. We'll put it like that. You know. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I'm. You obviously are doing a lot more in your career um, than I am. With uh, my, I basically just have this podcast and a normal forty-hour-a-week job and a fiance. So I have the time. Um, it's not always desired to spend it editing audio or recording audio, but I have the time to do it, and I have that desire to uh, promote the game still. So it's a bad combination for my free time, but it's there. <laughs> well, and you have a lot of energy too. I mean, you have, you've talked about things that you want to do for the future. And, and can you talk about that a little bit? It, in the shows that I've listened to, the majority of them have been focused on pooling your area, but that doesn't seem like where where you want to stay at no definitely not um so if if i get any new listeners out of this um realize that my my episodes right now predominantly cover wisconsin pool and i'm doing that for kind of two reasons um one is i'm just trying to get myself a fan base uh if i could um kind of localize it to wisconsin pool the things are more relevant to the people i'm trying to get to follow the podcast and they're more likely to follow along as I bring them into a larger national type of um, 
podcast where I only cover the pros and maybe some of the top events in Wisconsin. So that's, yeah, that's kind of why I'm talking about Wisconsin pool. I still cover the pros right now. Um, I cover all of the big events and kind of what's going on, but I basically am trying to formulate a loyal group of listeners so that I can launch that into the pros because um, so I, I would say that the average pool player in Wisconsin, if I were to talk about, and this isn't happening, or maybe it is and it's in the works, but let's say like a Rob Saez wants to play against like an Oscar Dominguez. Um, I think to the average pool player right now, at least in Wisconsin, they may know who they are, but they probably don't know who both of their, both of those players are. And if they do know who both of those players are, they don't really care to know what happens if they were to match up. If I could create a podcast that covers Wisconsin pool, but still talks about those two players and uh, a project that I hope to actually be starting sometime soon, which I can cover after this, if you'd like me to, um, I want to build a, a bit of a player profile for all of these professional players so that when these matchups do happen, there is an interest. Um, I think since the Moscone Cup, especially in Wisconsin, there is almost a cult-like following to Tyler Steyer, and that's understandably, um, that's completely understandable based off the, the little bit of a Moscone Cup conversation we had. Um, there is almost a cult-like following in Skylar Woodward and Shane Van Boning. And I think that there are a lot of really interesting players out there that people would like to follow. I personally have a, a real soft spot for Alex Olinger and uh, Mike DeShane. I spent a little bit of time talking to Mike DeShane, and I think he gets a really bad rep. He's a cool dude, and he's fun to talk to. Um, I would like to see more people be interested in following a Mike DeShane or an Alex Olinger. But until you kind of realize who they are as humans off of the table, um, it's hard to get invested into them personally, which, as I hinted to earlier, is kind of my next project in the next coming months, is I want to take kind of the top 50 to 75 players in the U.S. and actually build a, like a profile for them using my website. Uh, I would like to create a 20 to 25-minute podcast with each individual player and basically talk nothing about pool, just talk about who they are as a person and kind of build a more of a profile as to who they are off of the table. Um, we both interviewed John Schmidt, so he's a great example. John Schmidt is a really, really great talker who has a lot of things to say. And he is really a pretty fascinating person, both on and off the table. He has a million hobbies, all of which he's very, very good at. And I think if you went to the average player, average pool player, who's, let's say, a big Harley rider, and you told them, hey, John Schmidt is a huge biker, he would automatically bond with John Schmidt just because of that. Um, I think there's a lot of things in these players' personal lives that could really be used to connect with their fans and build them more of a fan base. And that's kind of what I hope to do in the, the co next coming months. I completely agree with you on the average fan's knowledge of who these players are away from the table. And I, I really think you're on to something there in that you've got to show who these people are besides the fact that they can make an iron ball. Absolutely. Um, a lot of them do have a lot of things to say um, and a lot of things to prove, 
both on and off the table. And I just don't think that they've really been given the proper forum or maybe even the proper interest by a lot of the promoters to the game right now. And you mentioned that you were looking to put this on your website, and I should have asked you before, for listeners who want to check out your website and who want to check out your podcast, where can they find it? I thank you for the plug. Um, My podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Audacity, Podbean, and then on my website at cueitupodcast.com, no spaces. Um, Basically, all of the main podcast distributors and then on my website. And to kind of predict your next question, um, the player profiles are actually on a tab on my website right now that I don't have live yet because I just haven't gotten around to start talking to some of the players. But I'm hoping to have that up in the next one to two months where I can start building profiles for players who are willing to talk to me and willing to um, interview with me to build them this profile. I don't know how many players are willing to do it, uh, but I know that there are several that have already given me the green light whenever I am ready for them. So hopefully soon. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to to not just seeing the the profiles, but also listening to those interviews. I think I've mentioned before on the show how lucky I feel that I am being in Arizona, and we have an amazing pool community out here. For the longest time, I thought that there was no other state that had a pool community like ours. But now that I've listened to some of your shows, and you guys have the Hall of Fame, which is something that we're trying to put together... I mean, you guys are are challenging in Wisconsin for for the the size and the strength of your pool community. Um, I think, well, to uh, to talk about the origins of your question, you're wrong. Wisconsin is way better than Arizona. <laughs> no, but but in all seriousness, um, I I do think that Wisconsin is um, very forward on our thinking of pool and promoting it to kind of the 21st century. Um, So I am very plugged into Wisconsin pool, obviously. I've been around the game for a long time here. And so Chris Bondi, to give him a plug, he came up with a a system called My Pool Stats, which almost everybody's heard of Fargo rate by now, obviously. Um, Chris Bondi's system was actually in in existence for almost two years prior to Fargo rates dropping. And I actually interviewed Chris Bondi on my very first interview podcast going or, uh, covering MPS. And Chris Bondi basically wanted to have a um, empirical ranking system that took out all of human subjectivity. And that's why he came up with the MPS system. Um, and he did work with Mark Page uh, all the way through to create this, which is the creator of Fargo, right? you know, combined, they were able to come up with MPS and then later on Fargo rate, which has completely revolutionized pool in the U.S. and the world, really. Um, so Wisconsin was leading in that. Um, like you mentioned earlier, John Kramer, uh, Kyle Burse, and Greg Andler were um, all pivotal in creating the first state Hall of Fame, which was launched about a year and a half ago now. Um, and we actually inducted 
well, I shouldn't say we, they inducted their first four Hall of Famers last year, which were Connie O'Haran and Jerry Bryseth and Willie Munson and Bruce Venske. And all of the other four, um, or the four for the next years are actually been announced too, which um, I won't go into that, but yeah, um, Wisconsin has created that Hall of Fame and we have a lot of really phenomenal pool halls as well. Um, most people have heard of the Karen Room in Beloit, which is ran by Dave Coles Jr., who is doing spectacular work with promoting pool in Wisconsin and in the Midwest. Yeah, Wisconsin has done quite a bit for pool in the upper Midwest, and a lot of those same things are being transferred out to the rest of the country as a blueprint for how to uh, promote some of their pool. Yeah, I know. I've talked to John a couple of times about the Hall of Fame and really not seeing a reason to, to reinvent the wheel. You guys have something great out there, and, and we're just trying to model what we're doing with the Hall of Fame out here after what he's done. Definitely. And uh, John is actually, I actually talked to John probably six days a week on Facebook. I It's a surprise I even get anything done at work. I can't believe I wasn't fired two days after I started because I spent all my time talking to John on Facebook all day. He gave me a bunch of help uh, creating this podcast and ideas on how to make it better um, or worse. So if you think it sucks, blame him. Um, They're all his ideas that are bad. But (laughs) yeah, John and I are good buddies, and I think he did a great thing with the Hall of Fame. Well, Nate, I know you said it was uh, it was Monday. You've got a show that you're going to drop today, so I'm not going to keep you from it any longer. Um, before we get off the phone, though, again, it's cueituppodcast.com or any place you find your favorite podcasts. Uh, well, yeah, thanks again for the plug. And um, hopefully if people are looking for another medium for some pool. Uh, knowledge you can swing on over and become listeners to the podcast all right sounds good i know we'll be talking more to you on on other shows on my podcast and on your podcast so again i appreciate your time and we will talk to you soon perfect thank you mike and uh thank you for the forum to promote the podcast anytime Okay, that was Nate. Sounds like he's got a lot of interesting stuff going, and man, he does have energy. And, you know, honestly, it was that energy and enthusiasm that got me to put together two different interviews for this show. You know, that kind of thing is contagious. My second interview is with Jeff and Ileana Sullivan with Sully Vision. Uh, They've got this big match coming up, Junglin Chang and Shane Van Boning next week. So I give you Sully Vision. Very proud now to be joined by two guests, uh, Jeff Sullivan and Ileana Sullivan with Sully Vision. Now, you guys are in Texas, right? That is correct. Yes, sir. For work. How are things in Texas tonight? It's been a beautiful day. We finally got past all this rain. It's been raining for the last two or three days straight, and it was a beautiful day today, about almost 80 degrees. So we're enjoying it before it gets those scorching hundreds around here. Yeah, I think we topped out at 100 today here in Arizona. Oof. Oh, already. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> so, like I mentioned in the intro, you guys are the the team behind Sully Vision. Before before Sully Vision got started, which, you know, I see all over Facebook, you were involved in pool for for quite some time though, weren't you? 
Yeah, yeah, I played I played all my life. Um mostly playing and you know, I lived in some small towns and there wasn't a whole lot going on, so I started running tournaments and and bringing things to the area that I was living in and and then the tournament started to kind of outgrow um my idea of me being able to have something local to play in, you know, that was, you know, a big tournament or whatever. So it just kind of all went from there. You know, I started, I got to where I couldn't even play in my own tournaments because they were filling up and, and things like that. And I just didn't feel it was fair. So, so now I just sit back and watch my own tournaments and run them. And <laughs> <laughs> now he gets to enjoy it from behind the screen. So just to kind of go off of everything that he pretty much has said, um, he has been running the side pocket open in Shreveport, Louisiana for about eight years now. And it has just continued to grow year after year. The event is run three times a year. Uh, about three years ago, we were asked to honor Scotty Townsend's memory because, of, you know, of course, he's a great friend of, of Sully's and of the owner of Arena Billiard. So Sully and I, spent countless hours putting this event together and um, and being able to bring that to the players. So it was, it was one of our first events that we rent multiple events within it. So we now have grown it to where we have four different events within that one week. And about last year, about this time last year, we sat down and, and we were sitting on the couch at home and he said, you know, I think I want to stream my own events now. Everything else, it's kind of running so smooth. Now I want it to happen to something else. <laughs> I didn't know what to do, Mike. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I didn't know if I should run, if I should cry, if I should scream. And I said, I just threw up my hands and I said, okay, whatever you want to do, let's, let's make it happen. Let's get it done. Um, so with his name in the industry being Sully and us having been interviewed a few years back, um, Sully Vision kind of was the first name that popped to mind um, when we were thinking about this and we're like, what should we name the company? And Sully Vision is just the best name that we could think of because everything that, when you look back at the history of the, the events that we've ran as far as into the future, everything that we are doing is it's really his vision. Um, so Sully Vision is, the perfect name to describe now it, you know, it's a play on word as well, because not only is it his vision that you're watching, but it's also a television, you know, and it's right. also bringing it to your, you know, to you guys' uh, screen. So it's just kind of a signifies a lot of different things. You know, Jeff, usually the idea is when you get something running smooth, you're supposed to be able to sit back and enjoy it, not think about what additional work you can take on. <laughs> oh, I know. My... Oh, gosh, how have you met my husband? <laughs> There's always new, fresh ideas, man, and we try to squeeze them in where we can. <laughs> we're, uh, we're actually working on a couple other events in the making, too. I mean, obviously, we got the next event that you want to talk about here soon, but um, we got another tournament that we're trying to throw together would be a pretty big one um, in, in Mississippi. So, so should be out on the lookout for that one. That's coming up pretty soon. 
Yeah, we're, we're going to get that one out in a few months. But, um, you know, going back to he's supposed to enjoy his tournament, <laughs> that's not something that I, would, I think that I'll ever see him do. Um, not in a bad way. He just loves to – he loves to be able to do this for the players. So every time and everywhere we go, Mike, it's an idea – of how this place would we would be great for us to hold an event in, and how many events we can hold, and how many pool tables he can fit in that room. So his his mind is, you know, is always working on how can we step up the game, what can we do to make it better, how can we give back to the players, and that's kind of our, you know, part of our vision is how can we continue to do what we do and give back to the players. Um, so that's, that's pretty much, you know, he'll never enjoy it. He'll always, he'll always be working. No, I enjoy it. I do it just fine. Thank you. <laughs> I think it's interesting that you mentioned giving back to the players because that's something that you guys do, which I know some other streamers do the same thing, but can you talk about that decision and, and what it is that you guys do giving back to the players when you're streaming? Sure. I think that um, when we spoke about going pay-per-view um we kind of tossed around a lot of ideas so we originally wanted to do the free streaming so that we can bring to the fans at home and to everyone that's sitting at home which is great in theory but it's still also a benefit that the players don't get anything back on so when we talked about okay if we go pay-per-view what's a good amount to give what you know without us bearing the full cost of everything, right? So when we sat down and talked about it and we're like, okay, we watched, you know, and I, and I don't want this to sound bad, but we watched day in and day out where players just walk out with less and less money. Um, so with that keeping in mind, we're like, what can we do to give the players money that no one else can touch, right? So, you know, you have the, the, the Calcutta's that the players may or may not get money from you have the tournament that the sponsor of you know that the the stake horse or the sponsor takes you know whatever cut they may take so giving back out of the stream is kind of a thank you for not just coming to the event but for playing in our stream and for giving us your time but it's also a this is your money this goes in your pocket you know you're walking away with a little extra dough um, that you weren't thinking about. So the more that we continue to grow and our pay-per-view continues to grow, the more we'll be able to give back to the players and and put that money in their pocket. Well, and we're not talking about just, you know, 40 or 50 bucks here, are we? No, no. The um, Our first event, so, so when we started Sully Vision as a pay-per-view, we had a, a couple of events that we knew we could kind of launch it with and, you know, kind of help piggyback off each other for advertisement, you know, et, et cetera. So, so we used our first one, which was the side pocket open. Um, we used it and Roberto Gomez won that one. And it wasn't a big one because it was our very first one. And, but we still gave him 250 bucks, you know, which was, you know, 20% of, of the stream. And um, <clears throat> so then our next event, which we used that to advertise for the clash, uh, the clash of the Titans. And, and that was Jason Shaw and Sky Woodward. And 
and that one done really well. And we, we were able to give uh, the winner of that match, which was Jason Shaw, we gave him uh, 1300 was his was his part for winning and, you know, participating in the event. Uh, well, aside from... <laughs> aside from everything else we'll, we'll discuss <laughs> once we get to but it. But just the bonus from, from him winning the match, we, we make the guys play for it, you know, um, uh, as their bonus for for their time, you know, and, and, and their talent and everything for playing on our stream. And then Scotty Townsend, we were able to also get back to the nine ball in the one pocket, which was the only event that we streamed. Um, out of that event, we still threw the ring game, uh, the Friday night ring game out to through Facebook for free, um, just so that people can see the caliber of players that were that were coming to the event and that were going to be there. Um, as well as you know, the ring game is something that we do for them for fun. Even though Scotty Townsend is, a, we add money and there is a Calcutta, we still. Um, and not to mention we, you know, there's certain events like that we have added money as well. So we just, we're in the business of trying to get back to the players as much as we possibly can. It's, it's, it's important um, that they know how much we appreciate and that we thank them for. We think we're pioneering something too along the way, you know, I mean, we're giving 20% back um, of the stream. We obviously have a lot of expenses going you know, from place to place. Um, we also have a partner in the company too. So, I mean, when you, when you go to splitting up a hundred percent, you got 40, 40, 20, you know, it's not, it's not like anybody's getting rich, but everybody, everybody's able to make a little something and the players, you know, are happy. So with what we're doing, so we're, we're glad to be doing it. And pioneering this, we hope and we pray every single day that, more and more people start taking suit, you know, that there's, they start following that lead and that, that, that path that we have kind of started chipping away at. And they probably will. I mean, like I said, somebody doing their own, doing their own thing there, they probably have a little bit more room if they own their self to say, Hey, you know what? I can give 25% or 30%. They're, they're still able to, <clears throat> to do good. So, I mean, you know, more power to them. If they can, that's that's kind of what what we wanted, you know. Right. And how long have you guys been doing uh, streaming of tournaments? Maybe, let's say a year and a half to two years, maybe. Um, somewhere around, I don't think it's been that long, but somewhere we, we around streamed that on, We streamed almost a year for free, just throwing it out there on Facebook. I mean, I actually I actually tried a long time ago to, to mess around with some stuff, and, and um, I was working way too much, and we tried to hit... <clears throat> We tried to hit a couple places, and you know, one place would stream good, and the other one would, you know, I didn't know what was, I didn't do, I have enough research to know that, you know, it was either, um, you know, Wi-Fi or slow computer or whatever the case may be, you know. So, uh, so we just kind of put that on hold for a few years, and then, then got back into it, you know, uh, recently when we, when we launched Television. So how do you, or, or actually maybe the question is better asked, what, what was the mindset going from streaming tournaments to streaming these challenge matches? So, so we live here in the Dallas-Fort uh, Worth area, and it's a big, big area, and there's, there's not really, there's not a lot of players here anymore. I mean, there's a lot of people that love pool, but there's not a lot of action. There's not a lot of... Uh, 
big name players. I mean, we still have Jeremy Jones and CJ Wiley and, and stuff that live here and there, you know, Jeremy's always gone. He, he's, uh, and CJ is too, you know, they're both on the road. So really we don't, um, uh, other than those two guys, that's about all, all everybody sees around here. And we just wanted to, to bring something, uh, back to the area, you know, and, um, I, I actually have a, you know, pretty good relationship with, with a lot of, a lot of players, you know, high caliber players. So, I thought that it would be pretty easy fit for us to, you know, get some good players here and bring something good to the area. Well, you didn't start out small. I mean, Jason Shaw and Sky <laughs> Woodward, that's a pretty serious match. It, it really is, and it was. It was an amazing match to watch. It was great seeing, um, you know, watching these players just bear down and really, and really play. Um, the idea behind the Clash of the Titans is, again, spinning it off, giving back to the players. So that's been kind of our, our, our model moving forward is what, what are we doing for, what are we doing for them? So within the clash of the Titans, there is a lot that goes into as far as, you know, contacting the players, getting them to play, bringing them here, you know, television. Um, we'll be adding the $20,000 for the final event, um, which the winner moves into um, the winners do get, or the players do get, um, some of the expenses paid. Um, so we, we're bringing them in. It's not a challenge match. It's not a, um, it's not a gambling match either. I think that a lot of people may have a small misconception on, on, oh, they're playing for $20,000. No, not yet, but they will be. <laughs> right now they're playing for, you know, any undisclosed amounts that, that get bet, as well as, um, you know, the 20% off the stream, they're getting expenses paid, um, you know, certain things that, that we take care of just because we want to bring pull back to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We want to be able to show these, the, the caliber of players to come into, although Dallas-Fort Worth is a, it's a huge place, it's almost a small town because people just don't come here um, as much as they used to, and I, I mean, I, I wouldn't understand why, but, you know, that's here, there. Uh, so we just want to be able to bring that back here so that the players here can see the caliber of players that they may never get an opportunity to do so any other way. So each of your winners earns the right to play in this event later in the year? Yes, the weekend after Derby will have we'll have the eight qualifying winners will play in an eight man double elimination tournament to decide the, the, and it'll be a winner take all for the 20,000. So you've got Jason who won the first one. Um, was the match between Dennis and CJ, was that also a part of this? No, no. We, our first match was, was uh, Jason and Skylar. For the Clash of the Titans, we did hold um, Efren Reyes and CJ Wiley, but that was an exhibition match um, mm -hmm. that we brought in. And Dennis and CJ was a just a gambling match, you know. And a lot of we did stream those, you know. I mean, a lot of those were kind of set in the way for what we're doing now too. You know, everything's everything starts somewhere, you know. And there were some ideas that we got from that, and um, you know, my partner has some good ideas too, and just learning as we go and trying to build build pool and build it in the area and do the right thing. You know, nothing can go wrong, right? And don't let them fool you. Every now and then I have a good idea too. <laughs>
I didn't say my. I didn't say. I didn't specify lap partner or partner. Okay. <laughs> Well, you started out with with uh, Jason and Sky, which, you know, like I had mentioned, that's a pretty big match. But really, this one that you've got coming up next week, I mean, these are probably two of the top five players in the world. You've got, well, you go ahead and talk about it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, they're, they're number one and number two in the world, you know. I mean, um, and then you got, you know, well, of course, I, I guess after the U.S. Open here, that, you know, all that might might change statistically, you know, with, um, within a point or two, but I'm sure they're still, you know, I, I don't think anybody in China or Taiwan wanting to play Chang. They say that he just kind of owns them, you know, and, um, and, you know, Shane, Shane, he's been on fire for the last ever, ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he just, he plays, he's playing really good right now. It's just a, I think it's just a really, really great match, you know. And uh, in a long race, it's going to be. I'm, I'm really excited for the match. It's one of my favorite of the whole event. Right. I, I mean, in a long race, the true champion will emerge. I mean, that's just that's just the reality of, of of things. So, you know, I'm I'm extremely excited. I think we have a lot of people that are excited to just not just come and watch it live, but be able to watch it even through the through the stream and see these two guys really, really go at it for their chance to get into the, the qualifier. And the match comes up, um, what days are, is it next week? Um, it's going to be, unfortunately, due to scheduling conflicts, it is going to be on a Tuesday and Wednesday. So it'll be April 30th, starting It's not unfortunate for the stream. It's real good. <laughs> right. And May, well, we're, yes, we're hoping so. And then for Wednesday, May 1st, I mean, this is a one once in a lifetime opportunity for a lot of people here in the in the Dallas Fort Worth area that may never get an opportunity to see the caliber of players um, that we're bringing. So, you know, definitely come on out and um, and support support these guys and support the event. It's going to be a great one. And it's ten ball race to fifty. Great. We'll we'll do a race to twenty five both days. Um, First day. The, the first day will be race to 25, and then, of course, the second day will finish out the set. And it's 10 ball with a with a magic rack uh, or with an Outsville um, template. Um, Aramith balls, uh, brand-new diamond table, great conditions for these guys. And for people who can't make it to Fort Worth to watch, they can find everything that you do online where? Anybody can go visit sullyvisiontv.com. And you will find all the information there. We will have the pay-per-view available. You have the ability to purchase your, your VIP seating. You have, um, we're actually in the works of getting our, um, our online store up and going with any kind of merchandise that, uh, that we've had that is just kind of, you know, with shirts and, and jump cues and anything that we have that has been provided through the, to us and, we will have that uh, that up and running. But and that's link, links to all of our sponsors on there too. You can go right. straight to their site and from our website and buy you some cool stuff from their stores. And how much is the pay per view for people who want to watch it online? So right now we have um, what we we like to call the early bird um, passes available. They're available right now for nineteen ninety nine, and coming on May twenty ninth. 
at 11.59, I will have my finger on the keyboard <laughs> and the early bird special will end. Um, and then it'll be a 24.99 from there forward, as well as we will offer- That's for one the entire day. event. And that's for the two day event. We'll also offer any one day passes um, in case everybody's interested. Um, I think that what we've seen in the past is that a lot of people that, that you know, may go in and they're like, oh, you know, I'll just buy one day. They're always coming back for the second day. So always make sure you, you know, catch purchase that. Day. Yeah, catch an early bird. Grab those two days. Um, that two days for $19.99, it's a great deal. Also knowing that 20% goes back to the players. That's something that we like to stress out of on that or like to stress a lot. All right. I'm looking forward to it. It's April 30th and May 1st. It's Jung Lin Chang and Shane Van Boning. Uh, two days, race to 50, 10 ball. I hope you guys are getting your rest now because I think you're going to be awfully busy. <laughs> we never rest. <laughs> but yes, we'll, we'll definitely be rested up. Um, you can find me if you guys come out to the event. You can always find me at the front door. Um, basically, your hostess. I greet you. I I sent you. You know, I sit you where you're supposed to go. I put your little VIP badge on and I... I basically get everything situated. And, and she's the enforcer, too. She will get you. I am. I really am. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, you know, I just, it has to be done. But anyway, so, you know, they call security, they call me. <laughs> and then you will also be able to find Sully behind the, the microphone at the booth, as well as, you know, probably ticking in and walking around and, and shaking hands and being the smiley face that you see a lot. All right. Well, I appreciate you both taking some time for me tonight, and I am looking forward to seeing the match next week. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having us, man. We, we appreciate you and look forward to talking to you again soon, and hopefully we got some more great stuff for you guys to, to talk about. Thanks. All right. That was Jeff and Ileana. I learned something. I thought those were action matches that they were doing, but actually, no, they're... Their challenge matches to qualify for this tournament after Derby. Uh, right now, Jason Shaw's qualified, and, and after next week, it'll either be Junglin Chang or Shane Van Boning joining him in that eight-player field. That's all I've got for you this week. I appreciate you listening, and hopefully we'll be able to do something next week or so with whomever wins the U.S. Open. Again, it's Friday, so you've got one more day of it, and you know what? Dazen, D-A-Z-N dot com. I don't think it's going to kill any of us, including myself, to, to throw $20 at him to join for a month. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we will have another episode for you as soon as we can. And Dave, we are all still thinking about you. <laughs> <laughs>